Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In episode 28, I interview my friend, Mike Laviola, who is a former musician turned strength and rehab coach. Mike tells a powerful story of how he had a pretty intense awakening, we'll call it, at the age of 27 when he found himself in a dark place. And like I said, Mike is a friend, but I had no idea that this was part of his background, which you'll hear in the episode. Um, And this allowed him to take a stand for himself and turn things around. And so he'll explain how he started following his higher calling by chasing his curiosity for understanding more about the world of strength and conditioning. Like I said, I just was very impressed to know that at 27, you may think like that's getting, you know, into like the midpoint of your career, depending on your age and your perspective. But it really just, this episode goes to show it's never too late to take a stand for yourself and to turn things around. So whether you are currently in training as a physical therapist or strength coach yourself, or maybe you're an athlete wanting to get into either of these fields, I hope that this episode gives you some inspiration and insight and a little bit of wisdom too to take away for yourself. Maybe you're just someone interested in potentially working with Coach Mike and hopefully you appreciate this opportunity to get to know his story a little bit deeper. So with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to chat with you. I know we've been uh, in each other's worlds for a little over a year now. Um, just for listeners, uh, Mike and I actually met in a program hosted by Rory Alter. She might have had a name switch uh, since she got married, but she is a uh, USAPL powerlifter, um, owner of Progressive Rehab and Strength. And so Mike and I met formerly as strength coaches. And over the last year or so, I've kind of pivoted into more high performance coaching, but he is still in this world and we've just able to kind of watch each other's journeys as we've both been growing and so really happy to host you today and kind of dive deeper into your passion of how you got into not only coaching but kind of go back in time a little bit into how you got into physical therapy how you got into lifting initially Um, we all know we usually end up teaching our passion because it's been life-changing for us personally so yeah, that's, that's what brought us here today. Um, so yeah, let's, let's speak life into this. What got you into, into lifting originally? Yeah. So, um, you know, I always, when I was a kid, uh, I always played sports, had an athletic background. Um, you know, I played summer league baseball. I played AAU basketball, um, had an accident, broke my leg. Uh, this is, this is from way back, right? Like, so I, I broke my leg and after that things were, it just weren't the same. Um, and I started hanging around with, uh, with the wrong crowd, I guess. And, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, this, I was probably 14, 15. I started getting into to drugs and alcohol. Um, and that continued until uh, I was 27. I'm 39 now, but, um, you know, when I was 27, I just, I saw that, you know, my life wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I knew that if I wanted my life to keep going, uh, I need to make some major changes. Um, so, you know, luckily I had a friend from way back called me and he was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for someone to come to the gym with me. I'm looking for a gym partner. And I had never been to the gym before. I'd never worked out really uh, with weights. Um, and so, you know, he, he brought me in and, and showed me around. I'm just really lucky to have him. And, you know, it's, it was something that I fell in love with. Um, so, you know, it, it was just, you know, really lucky to have him. So I, I fell in love with it and I fell in love with human anatomy and physiology and, you know, changing my body, you know, so before this, you know, when I was, when I was addicted to drugs, you know, just, I, I was overweight, was heavy, um, just poor health overall in, you know, it sounds a little bit, um, sounds a little bit superficial, right? But one of my goals, I always wanted to like have a six pack or look lean and muscular, you know, you know, body or physique, um, yeah. physique style, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was my goal at the time. And, you know, and that's how we, there. that's how most of us start, right? It's like, <laughs> I want that. What's up? What's on the magazine cover? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's like the stars and yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, people don't look like that all year round, usually, right? So yeah. it's a, a lot of it is a facade. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I wanted that. And uh, I worked for it. Um, and I got it. But this, this fascination for human anatomy and physiology, just like I knew I wanted to work with that. I knew I wanted to do something like that. So um, yeah, tell me a little more um, about like, what was it in the weight room that really wanted you to come back from more? It sounded like you came from this really dark place of getting injured, which I resonate with, and I'm sure many other listeners resonate with too, like getting injured, it kind of was a slap across the face after being active for so long and losing some of that autonomy. Um, but what was it that lifting really gave you that kept drawing you in to keep reaching towards that? So when you get, when your whole life is, is, is centered around something, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's music. And at the time I was a musician, I was, I was a professional musician, mm. taught taught piano and, and played in clubs and stuff. Um, but it was like music and drugs. And that's what my life revolved around. And when I stopped doing drugs, I lost a lot of friends. Um, and in losing those friends, I, I kind of, I, you know, I lost my identity. Mm-hmm. And so getting into the weight room and meeting new people, making new friends, um, having them, you know, encourage me to do this, you know, just, just building those relationships is, I think is the initial thing that, that brought me back into the weight room, you know, it's the connection. Go ahead. Yeah. It sounds like the community was really kind of the, the backer behind it. Not only, 
not to put words in your mouth, but I, I know from being involved in lifting myself, like the empowerment you can feel and just like the, yeah, just like the physical changes that you're feeling in your body, literally getting stronger day after day, definitely can really win. But just having that like solid support system that's trending you in a better direction, it sounds like, <laughs> than what you were uh, heading before uh, was kind of like the hook. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, there are some, you notice some strength changes, right? At first, you know, everybody has those initial neurological changes, right? Where they're recruiting uh, more motor units, right? Um, so I had those initial changes and maybe that wouldn't have kept me in, but you're right. It was, it was the community um, that really pulled me in and um, I probably wouldn't have continued if it, if it wasn't for that. So yeah. Um, was really lucky to get pulled into the place that I got pulled into. And uh, I don't know if it's a place that I would train now. My training is a little bit different now, but, um, but certainly, you know, fell in love there at a, at a Gold's Gym. Uh, awesome. Yeah, Gold's Gym. I mean, you just naturally learn over time of what it takes to uh, instill longevity, I believe, in, in the world of strength and conditioning. And sometimes not all, definitely not going to stereotype anyone that goes to a gold's gym, but sometimes the community that is attracted into the, that style of gym is, is just in it for a short-sighted goal, kind of like what, what we mentioned before, um, just wanting to look like what's on the magazine. But uh, as, you, as you go and you feel the rewards of um, committing yourself to the long term, you kind of go deeper into your practice, uh, whatever you want to call what is lifting or strength training. Um, and yeah, it evolves. So 27, you're stepping into the world of strength training as a newbie in a gold's gym. What does that evolution look like for the next few years? What are you learning about yourself? What, how is it building upon your base? Yeah, so you know, um, when when I whenever I get into something, you know, I'm I'm super dedicated to it. You know, I, it's you know, I just um, it's it, I guess I have an addictive personality, no matter what that is, and and I love that it's I love that it's something that's going to make my life better and other people around me uh, their lives better. So, um, but yeah, so I'm in the Gold's Gym, falling in love with it have this fascination with human anatomy and physiology and, and how the body works. Um, but, you know, but I'm finding myself around these, these people and they're amazing. They are encouraging, um, you know, they're, they're yelling across the gym saying what's up and, um, you know, fist, fist pounding. When, when we go oh, yeah. by. And it's great. And they all look great. Right. Like I'm fascinated. I want to, I want to look like them. I want to be as big as them. Um, you know, and some of them have been training for years and some have been training for less time. And, you know, I think, you know, with that initial like drive towards a, a certain physique, um, you, you, I think, you know, you, you just, you get so wrapped up in that and you don't realize that some of these people that have uh, obtained or attained rather th this physique um, they, they might not be doing it naturally. And 
Mm. I have no, I have no judgment, um, you know, for anybody who, who doesn't, who's not a natural athlete, Um, you know, but, but, uh, people weren't really being honest. They were like, you know, you should do. So there was just a lot of bro science, uh, tossed around the gym. Uh, and you know, these things obviously weren't working for me, you know? So I was just, I got frustrated and then I knew there was more, I knew there was more to this. And I think that's what led me to, to, to really study and, and get an education so, so that I can find out exactly what it took. Um, and so that's what kind of drove me. And I wasn't sure at first what, you know, I wasn't sure if I, um, I think at first I wanted to be a dietitian, um, mm. but then I was like, you know, I'll probably end up doing like, um, I'll probably end up being like a clinical dietitian. And I, I knew I didn't want to work, you know, in some of the settings that a clinical dietitian might work in. Um, and I was like, you know, movement, it's just, it's like movement. And, um, in physical therapy was, was the thing that I, you know, I knew I wanted to do. I knew that I had been injured in the past. Um, and I'd worked with physical therapists before and they worked with movement. Um, uh, and so this, this it would just really pulled me into physical therapy. Um, and I, I'm so glad that it did, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like that former injury, even though I always say this to, to folks, uh, whether that's an injury or just some sort of hardship or adversity, like in the moment, it always feels like a setback and like, why is this happening to me? And it's easy to step into that like victim mode, but in hindsight, there's always like some sort of divine blessing or, or lesson in it. Like, how is this happening for you actually? Um, and so it, like that injury at what, 14 years old was the catalyst to stepping into your now career at 39 years old. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's beautiful to be able to look back and see how that was all setting you up for success. So when you were in your teens as an athlete, was this something that you foresee, like that you foresaw that you would eventually like want to get into physical therapy or was it not even like on your radar at all at the time? No, I, I was going to be in the NBA. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, yeah. yeah. Teenage dreams. I mean, yeah. not to discount it. It totally could have happened if not for the broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be there if it wasn't for the broken leg. Now I'm a, just a physical therapist. Yeah, just a physical therapist changing lives, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think you're I think you're totally right. I think it's you know, it, it has to you, things happen for a reason, right? And um you know, luckily that did happen to me and, and uh, I did use it for, for something positive down the line. And I think probably I did take that victim mindset, but now when things happen, um, you know, if an injury happens and, and I did have one not that long ago, um, you know, you use it as a learning experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if we're not just letting things happen to us, they happen for a reason and we can use them to learn and and be better in the future. So. um. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to dive into that actually. What 
was your most recent injury and how would you say you navigated that differently compared to years ago? <laughs> yeah. So, um, my most recent injury was in 2017. Um, I was powerlifting and, um, I already knew, you know, I was, I was programming for other people and friends at the time. Um, and so I had, and it's funny because uh, strength and conditioning uh, literature, I mean, we just know so much more now, but you know, so I was doing things that I would never program my clients or, you know, my friends really at the time to do. Um, and I was going to hit a 500 pound deadlift and I, and I did. And after that, I decided, well, you know, I'm not, and it was an ego thing. I was like, I'm, I'm never mm. deadlifting below 400 pounds again. Cause my ego is way above that. <laughs> and, um, I didn't program for myself intelligently and I didn't listen to my body. Um, mm. And that led to some, uh, it, it was like ridiculous symptoms. So, you know, there was pain and and uh, some tingling going down my leg. And the fact that I was in physical therapy school at the time, sitting for eight hours a day didn't help. Um, so, you know, it was just really a combination of those things. I would, I would get up, I would, I would fly to school, sit for eight hours a day, go home, take a nap and deadlift, you know, in the 400s, which is, you know, relatively not a lot, but for me, you know, it was, it was a lot. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, uh, it just wasn't, wasn't helping. And so learning, learning more about how the body works, how pain works, um, and really how to, I mean, it's like, I really already know how to program, um, to, to an extent, um, mm. so I, knew, I knew I just, I needed to work around it. I needed to kind of start from the beginning, um, use graded exposure to get back to where I wanted to be. Uh, use progressive overload um, and, and just make sure that I wasn't doing anything that I knew I shouldn't be doing. So, um, you know, it was really my own fault. And I know that um, it was a learning experience. Um, and my goals kind of changed uh, after that happened. Uh, did I get back to deadlifting in the 400s? I did, but, you know, my goal wasn't to, to have a powerlifting total after that. Um, so, I rarely, I rarely deadlift now because of, uh, because of my, my, my current goals. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, super interesting to see how just as life goes on and goals change and it's like perspective obviously evolves as well. It's like what really meant to meant so much to you back in 2017 to hit that deadlift or powerlifting total is now like, okay, well, is that really what matters to me? Like, you know, how many years later I actually really care about, and I'm assuming here, but longevity, staying healthy, making sure you're able to just move well for life. Um, and yeah, that's so, so common with lifters in general, as they continue doing this for however long they plan to do it. Um, but for, I, I guess I would like you to go a little deeper into like explaining graded exposure and um, progressive overload, potentially for listeners who may not know what that means if they're facing an injury. Yeah. So really, um, really kind of similar. So graded exposure 
um, we'll just, I guess we'll, we'll base it on pain or symptoms. We'll base it on symptoms, right? Um, whether that be pain, whether it be uh, numbness or, or tingling, um, or maybe even weakness from, from a nerve being injured. Um, you know, so it's, it's like we bring our exposure to load, um, you know, a certain weight with a certain movement. Um, you know, we go back down to a place that our body can tolerate it without having symptoms. Um, and we need to gradually bring it up because your, your body needs to adapt. You know, we need time for, uh, we need time for whatever tissue injury we have um, to heal. And we need time for our brains to realize that this is, you know, because when you have an injury, your brain automatically goes, this is bad, right? Mm-hmm. You can recognize it as well. You know, uh, this started the pain and this movement is going to cause me pain. And I think some people suffer with that a little bit more than, than others, you know, but I think, you know, it's, it all has to do, that has to do with thoughts, beliefs, and expectations. And, you know, I think as a physical therapist and someone who's, who's pretty up on the current research, um, you know, my thoughts, beliefs, and expectations around pain and symptoms are that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get better. Right. So mm. um, the graded exposure, you know, you go back down to a certain level and then you gradually expose your body to load without bringing those symptoms on. So you, you try to stay away from the symptoms, but you get back into the movement and you gradually um, increase the load, uh, which is not much different from, from progressive overload, right? In, yeah. If you keep going, right, and you don't pull back at some point, uh, your body eventually is just not going to be able to handle it. Um, and, you know, that one deadlift could be the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, you keep, you keep loading the straw onto a camel's back and, you know, eventually there's going to be a certain amount that it can't handle. So, um, so yeah, you have to pull back at some point. You have to know when to pull back. And I think that's really a huge benefit of having the guidance, having a, a strength coach, uh, having a physical therapist, um, cause this is going to be specific for everybody, right? Mm. It's going to be specific to you. Um, if you have the same exact injury, let's say the tissue damage was the same. The symptoms were the same. Our, our path to getting back to where we wanted to go, if it was the same place is going to be a little bit different because every individual is different. Every individual, uh, benefits off a different you know, amount or, or quality of sleep, I guess you could say, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different people react differently to uh, social connections and we're, we're all going to have different social connections. So, um, you know, different, different things, you know, our bodies can react differently to, to different nutritional patterns. So, and, and all these things play into recovery, uh, and into strength and in, to your ability to progress and, and heal. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's super important for you to call out the, uh, importance of individuality. Um, and, and just to kind of speak into like the return from injury and going through the, the steps of progressive overload or graded exposure. I think one of the big things I saw as a strength coach for athletes, kind of what you talked about is like 
they just want to keep pushing that like athlete mentality. And so the coach, your job is to help be like, hold on, like we need to uh, slow down a little bit here. And it's just not like in their genes, I guess you could say to listen to their body. It's like, what does that even mean? Mind over matter. I just want to like work harder, work harder. Um, so I think the work that you do as a physical therapist and a strength coach is so important for helping them to find a, um, like sustainable return to what they love doing. That's actually going to help them rather than them just kind of shooting themselves in the foot over and over again, and just trying to like lift that thing that they're body or their tissues are like, no, we, we need time to heal and recover or else eventually, yeah, things break down, <laughs> unfortunately. And, and how long are you going to keep, you know, how long are you going to keep lifting into that injury before you, you know, you just can't come back, you know, and I, and I, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to put out nocebo, you know, like yeah. I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to scare people. Right. But um, there comes a certain point where, you know, our bodies can only heal so much, right. If you, if you have, um, let's say your, your bicep detaches, right. You have a full thickness bicep tear, uh, you know, at the shoulder. Well, you know, they're not going to be able to attach it over the shoulder joint anymore. Now it has to be attached a little bit lower. So things are, things are just going to be different. There comes a certain point you get injured so many times um, that you're not going to be at the level that, that you were at. So that's really important. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's and I, like I said, I mean, I was an athlete to my whole life. And so I really have sympathy for athletes who have experienced injury and empathize with them because I know how hard it can be. It's almost like, um, like the stages of injury, like initially you're in denial. You're like, nope, I'm going to be okay. I'll work through this. And then it's like, okay, no, I actually, I'm recognizing it and I'm accepting it and moving through that whole process. But yeah, it can, it can be tough. So if you're listening and you're like, things haven't been feeling that great, maybe reach out to Mike because he can help you <laughs> get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's funny just kind of going back to, you know, the specificity of not only the specificity of training for what you're trying to do, but just the specificity of, of an individual. I mean, I have people who, you know, if I don't slow them down, they're like, why do I need a deload? Why, you know, mm. why, why do I need to lift less you know, with the, with a, a decreased intensity, uh, this week or for the next couple of weeks. Um, and it's like, well, you know, you're telling me you're fatigued, you're getting terrible sleep, you're, um, you know, you're stressed all the time. Uh, these are all lead indicators that an injury is coming up. So, um, you know, they, we need to, uh, we need to address it. And, uh, and then I have some clients that, you know, when we do an AMRAP test, they, they're doing like 10 reps and then they think they have two reps in reserve. Uh, and then we AMRAP test them, we're doing the, the same intensity for, you know, 17, 20 reps. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people need a push and some people need to be pulled back a little bit. So. Yeah. And that's the beauty of coaching is it's so individual and you get to see what help someone to thrive and someone who thrives really well, but 
sometimes needs to be pulled back, you get to do that too. Um, yeah, I guess bringing us back on track with your, your journey into coaching, I'm curious at what point, so we kind of touched on this, you went to physical therapy school. Um, so at what point did you decide after becoming a physical therapist that you wanted to step fully into the world of coaching? Yeah, so I graduated from physical therapy school um, in Massachusetts, and then I moved to uh, Northern California, to the Bay Area, to do a residency there, uh, which is like where you specialize in, in a certain thing. Um, I, I decided to specialize in orthopedics and I was in a big hospital, Kaiser Permanente. Um, and in this, in this hospital, you know, you have access to someone's medical history. So you can see way back and, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that were coming in had multiple preventable diseases were on multiple medications and you know, one of the first questions when I, when someone comes in that I ask them, um, you know, this is, this is really see what, what their activities are that might be, you know, irritating the pain or, or, you know, maybe they're doing things that are, they're easing the pain or their symptoms. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when I ask them, what physical activities do you do? It was, they didn't, they either did nothing or, walking and gardening were two really common ones and not that not that gardening can't be tough because it can right right um, <laughs> and, you know walking and gardening are, are, are both great but they probably don't provide um they probably don't provide the amount of tissue tissue load that we need to build uh, a body that's that's going to help reduce the risk of injury mm. um, so you know that that I knew that um, that we needed to go upstream a little bit more. We need, I, I, we, I, I didn't want to be a reactive uh, physical therapist. You know, uh, I wanted to be proactive because mm. I felt like there were so many things that we could prevent to to make people healthier. Um, and you know, I think that's that's one of the huge reasons I got into this, right. Is to, is to help people prevent things like that. And when I look at back at my 27 year old self, that's the road I was going down. Like mm. either, either I was going to die from, from drug and alcohol addiction, or uh, I was going to end up with one of these preventable diseases, probably multiple preventable diseases. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I just, I think we can step in uh, before before this happens. Um, yeah, and so I'm I'm stopping my 27 year old self from from getting into this. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's huge, and just like such a deep rooted why that you have been in those shoes, and like now you want to make sure people don't get to where you you were because you saw where that was, and you're like, nope. <laughs> uh not to not to laugh at the situation but no no, no you're you're right and then um yeah I, I I've been in those shoes and and later on in life I've I've seen where it leads so yeah so 
explain to me a little more. You said you were in residency and this is where you are starting to come to these realizations that like, I need to be on the preventative side of this more on the front end rather than reacting. So did you get into um, like working in a clinical setting at all for physical therapy or did you make the decision to jump full-time into coaching prior to uh, prior to that? Yeah. So part of the residency was working 40 hours a week in an outpatient uh, orthopedic clinic. Uh, um, and then when I was done, you know, so it, the, the residency was a year it's, it's, you know, um, postgraduate education. And so I'm working 40 hours in the orthopedic clinic on top of this. When I finished that year long program, um, I could decide to stay at Kaiser, but since we have um, family here, we're from Massachusetts, we decided to move back. And, um, you know, my dad was, was also su suffering from, from early onset Alzheimer's, which was uh, progressing very quickly. Um, mm. So, you know, we wanted to come back. Um, and once we came back, I did some contract work, which just means I wasn't a full-time employee um, and I didn't have a salary position, um, mm. but, you know, so I did work full time at these clinics, um, but I just kind of bounced around. And the reason I did that is because, um, the, the pay is a little bit better, uh, okay. for any, or, yeah, any potential future therapy <laughs> students listening. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in physical therapy, you can do travel therapy. Uh, the insurance is not going to be as good, but the money's going to be way better. So just, just so you know, that future therapy <laughs> Help. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I did, uh, I did that for two years um, and the pandemic hit and because I was a contract employee, um, you know, they had to give me 30 days as a contract because the contract said they have to give me 30 days. So I worked uh, in the pandemic for 30 days, they furloughed all their <laughs> permanent employees mm. and I, I had to work for like 30 more days in their clinic. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and I was furloughed and it was you know, almost impossible to, to get work. And, um, you know, I used that time, uh, to really reflect on what I was doing and if I felt like it was right for me. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love helping people get back to where they want to be, um, and beyond where they want to be. And, and that's one of the things that I ask people, you know, who are coming in for, you know, with an injury or with pain or with symptoms, one of the, you know, one of the things we try to find out are, what are your big goals? What do you want to do? Not, not just like, you know, I don't want to be in pain anymore, but like, what do you, do you want to run a marathon? Do you, yeah. want, to, do you want to participate in a, um, you know, a powerlifting competition. Do you mm. want to, most, most of the people didn't want to do it. Like most of the people wanted to be able to pick up their grandkid and oh, yeah. their grandkid or get up off the floor. Right. And these were, they're like their big goals. But so, you know, um, so we, 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 we look at goals and um, you know, that, that was, you know, I think I, I got way off topic here. You know, I just, I just knew that I need to, to step in and, be proactive instead of reactive. Um, mm. You know, I, I knew I wanted to help people reach uh, big goals and, um, you know, instead of stepping in when things had already happened to them. Um, and so that's what, that's what made me decide that, you know, I needed to, to coach 
um, instead of, you know, to be proactive instead of be a physical therapist, you know, I'm using air quotes to, to be reactive. Um, yeah. And it sounds like this period of um, stepping into coaching after being furloughed gave you that opportunity to be proactive yourself. And like, what is the lifestyle I want to design and what do I want my coaching to look like rather than just being um, in a clinical setting and kind of just, I don't want to say going through the motions, but kind of being told what to do rather than making this, this life, what you design. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to think about, um, you know, one of the things I thought about is what did I want my life to look like in the future? Uh, I've never been uh, someone who takes, um, I don't like people telling me what to do. Mm. <laughs> um, and I just knew that I could have a better, a better life, a more fulfilled life, um, a life that was much healthier, um, where I'm, where I'm going to live longer. Um, because, you know, you go into the clinic, you're tied to the clinic for 40 hours. And a lot of, a lot of clinicians take notes home. They are working 40 yeah. hours plus whatever time they're, they're spending on notes. Um, so it's, you know, it's tough. And, and to be honest, uh, most of the people that I'm seeing, you know, if, if they're being seen for physical therapy or like reactive physical therapy, they're coming in with an injury. Um, I have better outcomes with them. They, they get better quicker because they, they really want to, mm. you know, in the medical system, they go to see their doctor and, you know, this, they think the doctor is know all, you know, a primary care physician, um, doesn't, doesn't really know, you know, the muscles, the neuromusculoskeletal system as well as a doctor of physical therapy. So they go to see their primary care physician, and the primary care physician says, well, you got to go to PT. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to PT. So they, they don't really want to be there. Mm. So they already have negative expectations about physical therapy. And some people even say, you know, I'm just coming here. So the doctor will give me my shot when I say it doesn't work. Uh. And, you know, a lot of this is centered around, a lot of this is centered around psychology. Like if you think that you're going to get better, you are much more likely to get better. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. How have you? Uh, so I guess my first question is, as you've stepped into coaching full time, how do you feel like your background in physical therapy has been able to serve you? Like what? How do you see the transformations you are delivering? Um, maybe different from your peers or like, you know, when you converse with colleagues and stuff who maybe don't have a background in physical therapy how do you really see things differently or like what's your zone of genius in coaching I'm so curious so if you, have you heard that phrase I don't know if you've heard that phrase genius in coaching <laughs> zone of genius like your <laughs> superpower whatever you want to call it yeah I don't um I think it's specificity to be honest hmm. uh not only being specific to what the person wants to do, you know, giving them a, a program that's specific to what they're trying to do, but uh, a program that's specific to them, you know, as a person. So, you know, if someone comes into PT, you know, that will do a 30, 40, 60 minute 
evaluation, not all be musculoskeletal or neuromusculoskeletal, right? When someone comes to me for coaching, if it's prior to an injury, like if, they, if they're not injured, they're coming to me for coaching and they get my intake form, uh, there's going to be a section on, you know, the, the regular um, <laughs> medical questionnaire that you would get going to to your physical therapist or doctor. But then, and there's a section on moving, you know, like section on exercise, some really specific questions there. Um, there's a, a, a section on nutrition. Um, there's a, a section on sleep. There's a section on stress management. There's a section on social connectivity. Mm-hmm. And the reason that there's a section for all these things is because they are so closely related that if one of those things is off, you know, the other one, you're, you're, so say if your training is off, your goal in nutrition or your goal in losing weight or your goal in physique is, you know, it's going to be much more hard. It's going to be much harder to reach that. And you may not reach it if your, if your strength program doesn't uh, support that. And same thing, if, if you have, have strength goals or, um, or even physique goals, right? If your sleep doesn't support those goals, it's going to be so much harder to get there you know? Um, yeah. So I, I think, I really think the specificity for an individual is where my genius of coaching, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's a tough term. I don't think my genius, I think there's so much. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. To learn, right. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll never stop learning. And um, you know, uh, but, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what is part of what is special about my training. You're not just going to get something that's specific to what you're trying to do, but you're going to get something that's specific to you as a person. Yeah. And I think that's so important that people feel seen and heard and really understanding their whole situation. Like it's not just, did you do your three by five on squats this week? It's diving deeper into who are you as a person what makes you tick that whole like biopsychosocial model which you've kind of touched on already um to really like understand who they are um because we all we all want someone like in our corner right rooting for us and kind of that objective outsider so that you can make sure you are heading in the direction that you want to be and not uh I'll use the term a former client of mine said, but having shiny object syndrome and just doing the next exercise that you see on Instagram or YouTube and kind of forgetting your why and what your long-term goals are. Yeah, huge, huge pet peeve of mine. Uh, (laughs) Doing the next exercise on YouTube or Instagram. Um, But yeah, I mean, you really have to, you really have to get to know the person in what makes them tick and um you know a a a lot of you know i I was i came out as a coach and wanted to help people prevent things but they don't like people don't want prevention unfortunately right Mm -hmm. um they want a specific goal right and um you know so i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't looking for specific people to serve um, and right now I have a lot of healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are, you know, nurses, most of them are physical therapists. Um, some of them are, are, you know, I have a nurse practitioner. Um, 
And what they all have in common is they're super busy. So kind of bringing it back to like, you have to know a person. Well, I could write, you know, I, I have a physical therapist. He's done so awesome. He's lost, um, he, he was obese, I think like class two. Uh, he's lost a ton of weight. He's gained a ton of muscle. He feels good about himself. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that you need to understand about him is he's super busy. I could write him a super extended program with a, with a ton of stuff, but if, he, if the people can't do the training or adhere to the nutrition, mm. you can't participate in it because it doesn't align with your lifestyle, then, you know, it doesn't matter, you know? So you really, you really have to get to know someone. You have to get to know their lifestyle, um, what makes them tick, you know? Um, and I'll, I'll kind of use another physical therapist have as, as an example. He had specific goals um, and they were strength related. Um, and so I wrote him a strength specific program. Um, but, you know, he was, I was like, you know, what's, what's going on with the program? How's everything going? And he's like, Mike, you know, I want something a little more, uh, it gets my heart pumping a little bit more. So uh, we changed, we, we changed it. Right. I, there were still some, uh, you know, part of it was strength specific, but he had other days where he was doing, um, like cardio metabolic workouts. So nice. just things that he enjoyed. So if, if, but he, if I kept writing him strength specific workouts only, would have been done right and yeah going back to the clinic and just going home and hanging out for the rest of the night so absolutely yeah and I think that's like just a theme among any habit that you're trying to accomplish right it's like you need to make sure yes that it's challenging you so it's not always going to be like sunshines and rainbows and super easy but also you do need to enjoy it so like it needs to challenge you but not to the utmost degree that you're just like this fucking sucks like I don't want to do it (laughs) so uh yeah not only in the world of strength and conditioning and having like a resistance training program or a nutrition plan that you're following but even thinking like bigger picture than that um so yeah I think like being able to, you as a strength coach, deliver that specific program to someone to help them be objective and stick to their personal goals, uh, save them time so that they can focus on, you know, what they do for a living and not have to put all of their time and energy into researching what's the best program for me when you have done all of that work through, you know, physical therapy and, um, getting experience now as a coach. Um, what have been some of your, you've already, you touched on a few, but have there been like any transformations that you've just like loved being able to help people see through? Yeah, I think uh, the one that I mentioned, of course, um, with with a physical therapist um, was amazing because, you know, his his blood work changed. Um, nice. He was able to come off medications for high blood pressure. Um, and these are things, these were like my goals. Right. And, and I'm not sure that they were they were his goals, but the things that we needed to do to help him reach his goals were going to help him reach health, right? And mm. the reason that I started to do this. Um, 
so that was a that was a really great transformation um you know and, and just like i i had a transformation of identity i mean mm-hmm. um you know he was he was in you know he looks back at a picture of himself and you know, he didn't exercise he didn't work out um he ate calorically dense foods all the time he looks back a picture of himself he's like this is a transformation of identity it's not just like a transformation of my physique it's a it's a transformation of identity so i think that is a really really big one um i have another one uh it's it's um uh he is actually a student super busy um studying sports psychology and um you know just just really a little bit of guidance with him and um he made some major physique changes um, mm. so, that was, that's a little bit more of a physique related one, but he, he got really lean uh, and he looks great. He looks great. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And with those physique changes, I mean, yes, it like, it is a superficial goal maybe to just get involved in lifting initially because of wanting to have the abs, but really like it's, it's not about the destination as cliche as it sounds. It's about the journey and him being able to like take those steps and understanding what does it take to build this physique of my dreams? Because now those habits and, and skills and, you know, all of the characteristics that come in, through the process of learning how to get to that dream physique is what will stick with him and is really the most rewarding part of it all. You know, I love that you said building those habits because that's that's really what we're doing, right? If you just throw someone in a program that's, you know, if, if I just say, all right, these are your macros, go ahead and hit them. Uh, is that going to happen? Probably not, <laughs> uh, especially if someone wants to look like that, right? Like if they've never tracked macros before. So we're slowly integrating, we're slowly integrating behaviors. Mm-hmm. As those behaviors continue, they turn into habits, um, and so he's he's created some habits for himself that you know are going to serve him well in the future. It's, it's not just those habits. You know, he now understands you know ded- the dedication it takes to reach a goal like that because you know if you've never done it, uh, it's super difficult. It's it's a you have to be dedicated physically. You have to be dedicated psychologically um you know it's it's tough so he's been through a lot and I'm, I'm really proud of him yeah that's awesome what are the some of the things you've heard back from clients and like maybe um well I don't know if this has happened to you but have you had clients who are may, may come to you a little bit like anxious or hesitant to work with a coach and then actually hire you and have feedback of what this experience turned out to be for them? Have you ever had that? I have, yeah. Um, so, I mean, one really specifically, um, this person. I think they they we we started talking because um, they commented. We both commented on uh, like a physique change post, like a transformation post, and so we started talking, and we got on the phone. And, um, you know, she was like, you know, I don't know if, if I really need this, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. And, you know, we, I like to get to know a person 
And mm-hmm. so as we started talking, um, you know, she, she felt comfortable enough to open up, you know, to me and, and tell me that in the past she had had cancer and she was kind of on this like eight year journey with, with cancer, you know, went to remission and, and she got it again. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, just through us talking, she, she kind of realized that, um, that if she was going to go through this again, like the chemo and radiation, she needed to be strong. She needed to be strong when she was done with this. Mm-hmm. And if she, if she got strong before this happened, you know, she, she'd have a base of strength and a base of muscle that she could work with because she saw how much it took out of her, you know, the last time um, that, that she knew that she, she knew that she needed help with it because she uh, didn't, didn't really know where to go. And um, right now we're still early on um, in, in the coaching phase, um, but she's doing great. She's really happy that, that she's doing what she's doing. Um, you know, she's talked with all of her, her social circle, um, mm. her, her friends and her relatives, letting them know what they're doing. So she's really dedicated to it. Uh, and she's really happy that she's doing it, even though, um, you know, there are not, the outcomes aren't there yet. She is headed down the right path. And, um, you know, I know we're going to see some, some serious strength, um, outcomes and, um, I think just a better, a better mindset overall about things because she's really nervous about the next blood test. And, um, you know, as a coach, I'm, I'm not just there for you for, you know, to get stronger or to have a transformation. You know, I want you to trust me enough to, you know, to tell me about these things. And mm-hmm. I'm a psychologist and, you know, I don't have the tools or strategies that they would have, um, you know, if someone, if someone needed those tools and strategies, but I want people to feel like they can trust me with whatever they want to tell me. And sometimes it's just good to be able to get it off your chest. So. Yeah. Yeah. Props to her for that. And, and for you to be able to create a space where she does feel uh, safe enough to share that information, because like you said, it's not just the physiological strength that you guys are working on building, but also the mental resilience that comes with strength training. And so it sounds like she's definitely in good hands and on the right track. Um, But it just goes, it's a like wonderful testimony of the power of strength and conditioning and how it seems like it's just this thing that bros do in the gym, you know, the stereotype, but it holds, you know, so much I don't want to use the word medicine because I know that I I don't use it in the phrase of scientific, but it's just like such a gift that uh, it can deliver to people. No, I I would say, you know, I would say it is medicine. Like preventative medicine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So can you give people a little bit of insight if they were interested in working with you? Kind of what does that process look like? I know you mentioned you have an intake form that touches on different aspects of their life, but I ask because I know as some, as a um, athlete or wherever you are, if you're interested in working with a coach, it can be a little nerve wracking to 
take that stand and invest in yourself and be like, okay, this I'm worthy of this. I want to proceed. So just knowing kind of what that would look like, I think can be helpful to um, have a little bit of insight. Yeah, sure. So um, when someone decides that they want to invest in themselves uh, in, in, in work with me, um, you know, I send them an intake form um, and it's, it's an email that has an intake form in it, but really um, it's instructions on whatever it is that their goals are. So, you know, if they have really specific nutrition or, or physique goals, I will have something in the email that tells them how to go on to my fitness pal to friend me on there so that we can see things that are going on. Uh, I use the true cat, uh, true coach app. So uh, it, it shows them how to, um, how to sign on to the true coach app. I send them an email, um, you know, an invitation to the true coach app. So they get that. Um, and it really just, I have a, a loom. So it's basically a video of me um, doing all these things so they can see exactly how to, to do them on their phone. Um, mm. So also there is an assignment, um, you know, depending on what their goals are, when they've told me their goals are, there's an assignment for them to do um, once they've filled out the intake form. So once they fill out the intake form, it comes to me and I get a notification and we set up a Zoom call. And uh, on that Zoom call, you know, we go through all of the sections of the intake form that they've filled out. And, and using that, you know, I, one, of the, one of the things is goals that they've written down. And always they're outcome-based goals, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I want them to hit those outcome-based goals. Um, and then, you know, I ask them, like, what are some moonshots? What are some things that maybe you haven't even told anybody that you want to do? Um, because they sound so outrageous. <laughs> but then, you know, so we, we kind of talk about that. Uh, with all of the sections that I mentioned in the intake form, we, we make process goals because the process goals, if they're done, are going to lead to the outcome goals. Um, so, so we have that Zoom session. We set up goals. Um, we talk about the intake form. And we get to know each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, um, you know, depending on what the process goals and the outcome goals were, I set up a program for them within the next 24 hours. Um, and then I, I check up on them every Monday and Thursday. Um, I look at any videos that they've sent, um, any feedback that they've given. Um, I give them feedback in a video. Um, and, you know, if someone feels like, you know, we're communicating all the time. That's, that's one of the things that I ask is, are you comfortable with uh, communicating with me? Like, would, it, would there be, do you feel like you could hold an open line of communication? So if not, uh, it's probably not going to work. They're probably not a fit. So, mm, yeah. So, so we're, we're communicating constantly throughout the week. Um, but if someone feels throughout the month, like they need to have, a Zoom call with me. We'll set up a half hour Zoom call and we'll go, we'll get into the weeds and deal with anything that, that they need to get into. So um, yeah, and then, so we go in training cycles, um, you know, at the end of a training cycle, we'll have a check-in, uh, a Zoom call. Um, and that could be two months, three months, it depends on how long the training cycle is. And, and we'll talk about, did they hit their process goals? Where mm-hmm. are they in their outcome goals? What, what are the next steps? Where, where are we going to go from here? Um, 
you know, so, so that's kind of what, what my process looks like. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it's very comprehensive, comprehensive, but also, um, just keeping tabs, that communication going to know like what's coming up in your world and where are you feeling challenged or like, where do you want to go from here in this next training cycle and really helping them to also like see bigger than what they thought their limits were. Um, I think that's so important in the world of coaching to really hold people to like, what is their highest potential? Um, and then just like offering that support along the way. I think it's easy to uh, sign up with a coach and then kind of lose sight of your why. But when you constantly have that like reminder of talking about this is what I said I wanted to do and then bringing them into the process and educating them on why it's important to keep the focus there. Um, that is really like what what fuels, right? The, the drive to, to get where they want to go. So that's awesome. And I'm sure those who are curious appreciate hearing that. So it's not as scary of a step. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, so I know you and I have discussed this before. Um, I'm curious to hear some of your influences of why you do what you do. Has there, has there been like specific, maybe like parents have influenced you or has there been like certain people in the industry that have really like shaped your, your direction? Yeah, I think my parents, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Um, and and I'm, I think I'm a pretty good person. I'm, I'm caring. Um, I, I don't want to go on about myself. I'm pretty great, <laughs> um, but I don't want to go on about myself. But yeah, I'm, you know, my parents, you know, just, um, just really good morals. Um, and, and they, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I always knew kind of when I was younger going through those things that they just weren't leading me to a good place. And I knew they weren't things that my parents were doing. And I, I knew they weren't things that my parents would have wanted for their for their child. So really a huge influence on me, but, um, you know, as, as far as the industry, um, I think even before I decided to go into PT school, I mean, like, I think Lane Norton was like the first, the first one. And, um, you know, he made a lot of, he kind of put a lot of people on like, uh, like Ben Escrow, um, Ryan Doris. So those, those have been some, some really big influences. Um, Eric Helms, a really big influence, uh, Brad Schoenfeld. So uh, a lot of, I guess, some Instagram influencers and <laughs> some, some, some researchers. Um, you know, I think when, um, when I decided to get into coaching um, and have an upstream approach and a preventative approach, like Eisenhart, um, with the mm. APHPT, uh, the APHPT is, is, uh, an organization that um, he's the head of, um, and just, you know, really focused on, on preventative and, and upstream, um, care. So I think he was a really big influence on me as well. So, mm. yeah, so I, I think those were some of the major influences at, at different times in my life. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, I still, look up to those people. I'm still learning from those people. So. Yeah. I think 
uh, I, I kind of asked um, uh, selfishly, I suppose, <laughs> because I remember we connected originally over, you know, talking about influences and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, Lane Norton and Ryan Doris and Ben Ascaro, because I also they were huge influences for me to get into the world of coaching. And so it's just, it's cool to um, meet others who were also kind of a part of their world. Uh, And for, yeah, like I said before, any other like physical therapist listening or anyone in, in the industry might resonate with those folks as well and, and be able to uh, share memories or, or whatnot or appreciation for, those folks. So, yeah. Um, I guess I, I would lastly like to just ask where can people find you online? Um, you, your business or whatever, and, and then just like closing remarks, anything you would like to leave with the people? Yeah. Um, so you can find me at Mike uh, on Instagram Mike.EvolveStrength underscore and underscore rehab. Uh, Mike.Evolve, so you probably evolve strength. Mike.Evolve strength, you'll be able to find me there. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I don't use it that much. Uh, Michael Laviolette. I'll have a backwards hat. I'll be with my fiance. I will be flexing hard in a blue hoodie. Um, <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I think just for everybody listening, um, I think it's, it's, it's really important to realize that all aspects of health uh, play into each other. So if you want to get stronger, uh, you know, you should be looking at your nutrition, your sleep, your stress management. Um, if you want to have a transformation, a physique transformation, and you look at all those things, if you want better mental health, you know, if you want better psychological health, these are things that you should look at. Um, it's not just because you know, it's not just because people say they're, they're connected. There is a, there are physiological reasons, you know, and chemicals released in our brain that, that makes these, that make these things all connected. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're focusing on one of those things, you should be focusing on all those things. Yeah. So important. So important. Uh, I, I forgot there was one more thing I want to ask. Um, where do you foresee the future of evolved strength going? Um, this is, and this, this is, is as much as you want to share. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is, this is, um, a tough question. I'd love to, to keep it, to keep it going. You know, I really want to continue to bring people health. Um, and you know, there's a second order when someone gets healthy, you know, they might have an influence on their kids and have an influence on their friends. If that's an influence on their friends and kids their friends and kids might get healthy. So, you know, I want to keep helping people improve their health so they're happier and healthier and bring a happier and healthier society. Uh, So what I'm hearing in that is a ripple effect of one person taking a stand for themselves and making a change in their lives kind of inspires someone else to be courageous and bold and, and do the things that they need to do for themselves as well. And in turn, this kind of elevates everyone in that community to to hold them to a higher standard so yeah that sounds that sounds like a good plan to me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's 
that's why I got into this. And, um, you know, I would love to, I would love to keep it going. Um, I would love to see it grow. So, um, you know, hopefully I think I, I still want to have clients and, um, you know, part of what I wanted to do was open a pro, like a, a pro bono clinic that I'm working in, um, 20, 20 ish hours a week, uh, and probably have some other coaches, uh, on the evolved team. Um, but yeah, I just want to keep improving, helping people improve their health, um, to make it a better society. Awesome. That's, it sounds like you're on the right track. It sounds like all these steps you have taken have gotten you here. And now it's just about more repetition and building the foundation of coaching to continue, uh, reaching that peak for lack of a better analogy from the strength world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you so much making the time today to come on the episode, share with the world, what, how you were, were bold and followed your vision of, you know, how you want to make the world a better place. And yeah, I, I look forward to continuing to watch you grow and continuing to see where this journey takes you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, I have loved seeing you grow over the past. I think it's it's been about a year um, and just really good stuff going on for you. And I, I foresee really big things in, in your future as well. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Well, take care, Mike. Yeah, you too. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. Our goal with this podcast is to help guide you to your highest self and instill the confidence, courage, and clarity to go after your passion and purpose. If that sounds up your alley, be sure to follow us along on Instagram for weekly content. To get exclusive access to discounts, freebies, and know the latest happening in the POA fam, be sure to join our mailing list on our website where you will receive a free guided meditation to guide you to your highest self. And finally, I send out our mailing list POA subscribers a little kickstart to their week on Mondays. And this is just five tips Um, around things I've been reading, using, and loving in my world that help me perform at my highest potential, help me to show up as my highest self. And so if that's something you're interested in getting, again, be sure to subscribe. It's been a pleasure to have you here, and I thank you so much, and I will see you again on the next episode.